This is the sound of worlds beyond number. Well, last we left off, we met our wonderful three uh, heroes, our protagonists of this story. Uh, we met Ursulon working five years prior in a tavern, uh, having almost been nabbed by a hedge mage and his uh, goon squad, I suppose, uh, in a stable with a special sword, with a pattern of waves along the cross guard and a fist of many fingers curled into a ball, sprinting into the woods after being injured by strange magic. We met Suverin Kedberiket, or Suvi as she is called, uh, the apprentice to the Archmage Silence and uh, friend and ward of steel, first sword of the Citadel, in the heart of the Empire, who was sent to visit an ailing Grandmother Wren. And we met Ame, the apprentice of Grandmother Wren, uh, in a witch's cottage outside the village of Toma. The passing of Grandmother Wren was something that had been anticipated for some time. What was not anticipated was a strange curse that had fallen over Grandmother Wren. Many secrets she had kept for a long time from Ame and from the children that she had looked after in a golden summer many years before. But those secrets she remembered having told, though Ame bore no memory of it. Smoke curled from her mouth, and some strange curse had been placed upon her. In her last moments, she bid Suvi and Ame farewell, and her familiar, the rooster Taro, said that the sword wavebreaker was the key to finding a way to unleash those secrets from where the curse had bound them, wheresoever that was. Sword, of course, had been given in childhood to their friend Ursulon, long lost these many, many years. No one had seen him. And so, find Ursulon they must. And Taro's last piece of advice was that Ame would need a Taro of her own. We ended last episode with the sun having set in record speed as time itself was slowed by the presence of great workings of the world of spirits. And a figure approaching on the road and to that moment and that exact moment we will return crescent moon like a wide smile and glittering stars Though a long and lonely cloud begins to stretch like a pointed hand and crosses at the midsection of the crescent moon, a figure walks down the country road, dressed in black. The manner of their clothes, like a merchant or a lord in the cut, but in style, Somehow strange and undressed, no shine of silver, no gold brocade. Simple, clean, tall boots and long breeches, and a wide, 
brim, with a long trail of a cap behind and a thick black cloak. The figure, stepping out of the shadow of a lean tree, stepping along the road, and passes beyond the edge of the window through which Suvi is looking. You come to your senses still here in this moment where Grandmother Wren has just passed, and it is now magically and surreally and with a sense of almost something like nausea. It has become night. The cottage that you stand in, and specifically the bedchamber of Grandmother Wren, whose body still rests in the bed next to you, though she is now gone, you become aware that the shifting of the house has stopped. You don't hear the creaking of wood anymore. And you look out and see the moon and starlight on the cottage, but you don't hear the buzzing of bees. It's very still. The only thing you hear is the lone babbling of the stream. And even that babbling feels somehow distant, echoing. Cottage is very silent. These are the first moments that either of you, Suvi and Ame, have stood in this place, knowing that in a very real sense, this is no longer Grandmother Wren's cottage. Three loud knocks upon the workshop door closest to the road. What do you, what do you want to do? <clears throat> I have to go answer the door. Give me one moment. And very quickly, I cast the ritual that I have prepared of the ceremony. A brief funeral rite. Even though I don't have time to mourn, I have to make sure that she's properly prepared. Place my hand on Grandmother Wren's eyelids. I hold them. I whisper quiet words. Be at peace. bedclothes, the sleeves that you can see peeping over the covers, all turn white as if the spreading of an ink or a dye, only it's an absence of color. She should be safe here, for now. And I hurry downstairs. What do you want me to do? Stay hidden. Sure. I compose myself and walk to the front door. Who is it? Normally there is a small candle underneath a tin hood on the outside of the workshop door that as long as someone is downstairs, a sputtering little blue candle will hop to life, careful attention of anyone being outside of their bedchamber. The candle doesn't light when you reach the bottom of the stairs. It is pitch black looking through the workshop window. 
Who is at the door of Grandmother Wren's cottage? You hear the scratch of gravel and dust as a pair of boots takes three steps back from the door as though giving space for the door to be opened and the person outside to be regarded. This is the final time that I will ask who is at our door? The voice that comes from outside from a face you cannot see is cold beyond imagining. It seems to hit your skin almost more than it hits your ears. Suvi, you can feel someone talking even though you're all the way upstairs. Outside the door you hear. not enter. What is your name, stranger? Forgive the inhospitable nature of my demands, but as you seem to have intuited, Grandma Ren is unable to be here herself to greet you. May I, may I ask you to come back again? Here scratch of a boot in the dust. Name the day. Give me one year from now. You've got one year. It is day. Oh. I come down the stairs and immediately kind of just grab you and hold you. 
You did very well. She would be very proud. I, I, I don't... Who was that? Give me a religion check. Ooh. Oh. Can I make a history check to see if I've ever read anything? Yeah, yeah, give me history or arcana. Fifteen for arcana. Seven. I think that of those many titles, you have never heard any of them, but I think you know all of the connotations of them. Mm. That being didn't give a single name. Yeah. As it becomes day, you see all of that time in which you lost Grandmother Wren comes back. In other words, like, that time slowing down was him approaching. Yeah. Um, Almost like he brought the night with him as he got closer. And then took it when he left. And then took it when he left. You do know, you do remember an old lecture in an early class, a warning about spirits that most spirits would not give you a name. If you did, they did give you a name, it meant you had power over them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, often they would go by a title. You know, there's the Great Bear, for example, that has like a great title that doesn't give its name out. Um, you, uh, you were told about some spirits that had multiple titles. Multiple titles indicated immensity of power and the ability for that creature to hide its names amongst multiple appellations. Yes, yeah. okay. Uh, that its true form would be sort of hidden or obscured. Um, and the scariest spirit you studied had three. Oh. Oh, no. Okay. I know the only things I've studied. We can't hold a candle to what you must know, Ame. But whatever that was... Strong. As you're both standing there, you smell a stink. All of the milk in the kitchen, uh, like in the icebox, has gone bad and stinks like crazy. Um, there, uh, uh, you look out and uh, there's a couple of fruit trees that border the road. All of the fruit hanging over the road has withered. No. Uh, oh. And you still, you, you hear the bees start buzzing again. There's other stuff going on. Um, uh, but you see that there is a lovely little bead kind of, um, uh, it's almost like a patch that is like framed up above the doorway from the workshop into the rest of the house. And it's framed up to face and line up with the outer door. And it's just a little beadwork in like red and lapis and black and white of an eye. Uh, it's smoking. Oh, uh, and Suvi, you feel jangling in one of your pockets of your robe. I immediately go and reach in. Uh, you cut your finger on uh, the shattered speaking mirror. No. <gasps> Are you okay? You're bleeding. I'm fine. She pulls away oh. from you. I'm fine. I run over to the ice box and I take a look at the milk. Can I divine whether this is part of the curse from the stranger or just time? Give me uh, give me a nature check. Uh, give me like a survival check. 16. You believe this was the appearance of this being at the door. That even though it could not gain entry to the house, that just its presence here was shaking the foundations of this cottage. 
on it. Time was slipping before Grandmother Wren died. I panicked. I panicked. I didn't... I didn't know what to do. I didn't... I've never... had to... This can't be my cottage. I'm not... I don't... I, I'm not ready for it yet. But I'm gonna do the best that I can. You... I mean, I don't even know where to start. I haven't seen you in so long, and I know that you must surely have places to be. And I, I look up and down at your finely tailored wardrobe and your hair, and... But I, I would... She asked us both to find Ursulon, and I would greatly appreciate your help in that. Of course. I thought... I think everyone at home thought I... that there would be more time. So there's time enough for this. Thank you. Of course. I did bring... Steel, uh, the woman that came for me at the end of the summer, asked me to bring some things for Grandmother Wren. Oh. What were they? They're yours now. And I pull out uh, the book and a sealed uh, group of scrolls. I don't know what the scrolls are, but this is a book about stars of the southern sky. Thank you. I suppose I I can take a look. And I thumb through the book. Okay, yeah, you go ahead and you thumb through the book. Um, Let me know what kind of check you think you're making there. I think investigation probably makes the most sense. If you're, yeah, so go ahead and give me an investigation check. Fifteen. On a fifteen, um... You know that this references a lot of constellations that would be of interest to Grandmother Wren. The book is a book of wizardry, so there's a lot of it talking about the movements of celestial bodies and the nature of the stars. Grandmother Wren often talked about the stars, but probably in ways that were not as um, systemic as this. She used to talk about some stars as being nosy and other stars as being bad or good luck and some stars as being playful and seemed to have a relationship to them mostly due to uh, her ability to fly. So she sort of had a relationship with them like someone who spent time in their company. I'm going to poke a little further into the book to see if Perhaps it's not the words of the book, but something hidden in the book itself. Uh, sure. Do you want to give me another investigation check? Yes. Go for it. I only got a seven. Uh, you begin to look deeper into the book for something hidden, and I think hit a wall of, because I think you're looking for something hidden in the way of like, What's something that would almost be like intuitive or second nature? Like you hide things in places where you can still get them. And you're looking at all this stuff and being like, this is so complicated that a wizard could hide something in here without even having to hide it. It could just be here and I'm looking at it and I don't 
know what I'm supposed to be looking for. God, I hate books. <laughs> All right. What? <laughs> I, I said, uh, uh, thanks for the books. While she's doing this, I just wanted to kind of give her a task so I could circle the cottage and try to kind of assess the situation and see if I noticed anything else weird on account of uh, the stranger's visit. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, go ahead and you give me an investigation check. 12, but my passive investigation is a 21. Incredible. Uh, bah. Bah. Uh, on a passive 21 investigation, um, I think that much has changed in the house since you were here. Yeah. Grandmother Wren became more tired with time and Ame became more capable with time. So a lot of the the little tiny details you notice are ways of organizing dishes and cutlery that Grandmother Wren preferred have given way to them being organized in the way that Ame preferred. And little, uh, I think Ame's room is probably much changed. Uh, how, is it, how does Ame's room look different? Do you go into the room? Oh, you know I do. <laughs> so as you step into the room, whereas before you remember a nest of pillows and blankets and soft bits uh, next to, uh, uh, curled up in the corner with your bunk, uh, all nice and tidy and orderly, um, and the windowsill large enough for perhaps a visiting spirit friend. Now you see that the bunk has been disassembled. It is just one bed now, but there is a bedroll on the ground in place of the nest, a um, sort of soft, round, cushiony mat. So... It's not quite as chaotic, but is is still a floor sleeping situation. And you see the old familiar scrawl on the wall above a fist-sized, tiny fist-sized hole that says, Be kind. But your bunk, which has clearly been moved down to be this single bed, is just the way you left it disordered it is just the way that you left it with the slats of wood where you pulled them up out of boredom or restlessness and the windowsill is not covered in dust but there's still sheafs of flowers and herbs tied up in crystals hanging, catching the sunlight. It seems a lot more purposeful now, though. And you see on the desk, instead of the untidy clutter of beakers and plants and powders, it's a somewhat more orderly alchemy set. Does Subi see any hint of a blue cloak anywhere in the room? Roll a perception check. (laughs) Okay, well, I feel like I have to remind you, my passive perception is 18. Do I really have to roll? Actually, you give me a sleight of hand to see you. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So I rolled a natural one. (laughs) (laughs) Sleight of hand. 
Sleight of hand is 13. On a passive perception. So passive perception, I will say, you see on the little sleeping mat, although there's a big fluffy comforter over it, you see a tiny corner of blue peeking out from under the tucked cover. I think that's the thing. That's trying to put together the ways in which your true friend has stayed the same and grown up away from you. And then seeing that little corner of the cloak that I gave you years ago, uh, I'll walk over uh, and just kind of touch the edge and for whatever it's worth, push a little bit of mending into it to just seal the fibers and let it last a little longer. Um, with that incredible passive investigation, by the way, uh, you look out the window at the mid-afternoon sunlight that is suddenly back on the cottage um, and see very eventful time here at Grandmother Wren's cottage. Uh, uh, you see a sight that at once your wizard brain goes... I have to put this together with all this. Well, Grandmother Wren just, I just watched Grandmother Wren pass away. And, it's, and the, the foundations of the earth shook as she passed. And I've seen a magic here more powerful than anything. And then a sight comes into your eyes that the moment you see it know has to be totally unrelated to everything else you have seen here, which is that a very confused looking fox comes out of the hen house with a dead chicken in its mouth because when it went into the hen house, it was night and it's day now. (laughs) And it's got a dead chicken and there's a couple little feathers that fall around and you see a confused fox who's got you know, red, the little brown socks and the little white tuft and the white under the chin with like just a little bit of 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 the hair getting darker and almost black on the little ridge in between the shoulders. Looking around, dead chicken, blood-soaked fangs, and just a state of utter perplexity. <laughs> you hear a madwoman cackle from upstairs in your room. The cackle goes off, and the fox sprints, hits a fence, changes direction, and sprints off into the woods with the chicken and is gone. <laughs> you, uh... Oh, my God, the last hour is crazy I've ever experienced. Oh, that's not a that's not a completely happy laugh. Okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> I uh, I saw I scrolls under my arm. I I I trot upstairs. <laughs> I put an arm on. I'm good. I'm. <laughs> you okay? Uh, yeah. Have you ever just felt like a fox a little bit? <laughs> uh, uh, you know that's a crazy thing to say, but yes, yes. Yes, I have. (laughs) This is wild. Is this every day for you? Uh, no. No, most days it's just uh, villagers in need of help and just me and Grandma Wren. I... I... I know that there is... Quite a lot that's just gotten dropped on your plate, but I think it would be good for us to move expeditiously. That's uh, a big word. Uh, yes, I I read. Yeah, for someone who hates books, that's a big word. I don't know what you're talking about. I heard what I heard. Okay, all right, well. Mm. 
That's how I know you're a witch and prepared. You've got the mumbling under your breath down to a science. <gasps> oh, it's true. <laughs> oh. Um, you, uh, uh, so, um, you stand there, you have, you, so un, having undone the scroll case, you've taken some scrolls out that to you looked, um, like occult anatomical drawings of different strange beasts. And I mean, you've only known the wildlife of a calm and perhaps a little bit of a different place before then, but for the most part, you, you know, you only know the wildlife around here, which there are some larger animals around. Like there's still, you know, there are some bears in the woods or a, a deer or a panther maybe up where it gets a little bit more mountainous up north. But these are some strange beasts in these sort of anatomical drawings that you see. Um, I don't think I've seen any like this around here. I'm not going to pry. Um, well, it seems that we're working on this together, so... Yeah, let me see him! Okay! Thank you. What the... Uh, with that high passive investigation score, you thumb through them, and you find one with a beast on it you recognize. The last time you saw this beast was in the town of Silbury when you were a child, and the town was in fire. And you realize that these are not beasts. These are the forms that certain magicians can wear if they so choose. Oh. Please keep these safe. Keep them secret. Of course. That was the plan. Is it of some significance, specifically? I didn't tell you much about the night I came. No, you, we were kids and you were really scared and I never wanted to pry. You're very kind. Oh, one of my parents' friends. And I pull forward uh, specifically the scroll. Ame, you see a tusked, Canine yet simian form, powerful shoulders and haunches and a ridged back. The physical, the sort of musculature and skeletal structure of almost like a hyena, right? Those powerful longer front legs sloping down to rear legs and a tufted tail with this massive lower tusked jaw. The form is frightening with a wide snout and these glaring sort of eyes and some ridges up along the brows, two long tapered pointed ears. And you can even see in the rendering of the wizard's diagram that the front paws still end in these long saber-like claws, almost like a bear, these long hooks that come out with digits on either side that kind of hint that they might still be opposable. My father's friend Yorin looked like this that night and he smelled of blood. What? Can you... Can a lot of you do this? No. I... This 
doesn't feel like any sort of spirit that I've encountered or studied, does it? No. I think you look at this, I think both of you would share a moment, probably, of connecting over the fact that this is well outside of either of your traditions. It feels like even though we have seen spirits and things that are natural, that are mixed, different parts of different pieces, this doesn't feel right to me. The mages of Galthmai are different. Uh, I don't quite know what that means. Galthmai is a, a, a somebody that we're supposedly at war with, correct? I mean, there's always exceptions. You know, witches and wizards aren't supposed to really uh, get along. And we're both here tracking down our brother, who's a big bear. Speaking of which, we need, we gotta go find him. Oh, yes, and I have to, I have to, um, visit the shrine. That, oh. There's just so many things to do. I'm, again, I, I'm sorry to drop this all on your lap. And nope, I know we have, we're making a list. Okay. This is where I shine. Oh, all right. Well, I'm where is just paper kinda... that isn't wrinkly? Now I got it. I got it. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go up to the shrine. And would you care to accompany me? Oh, my God. Yes. Uh, cool. I wasn't sure if I was going to be allowed to go. Yeah, I actually don't know if there's any rules about that or not, but... You know, I mean, it's my cottage now, so... <sighs> yeah, do you feel different? No. I mean, except a sense of existential dread about being maybe cursed and having a year before what might be a powerful spirit returns to the cottage. Um, other than that, no, not really. Ame marches up the hill and you see a climb that used to tire you out is now done in about 20 steps and just up the hill um, where we see a beautiful small stone shrine. The shrine has a beautiful eight-sided bell-shaped roof with scales and ridges of the stone that come down to the eight corners. There are thin stone columns that come down but leave the shrine open while still being under a roof and a flat, always cool marble base. At the back of the shrine is a old, weathered, kind of, it's the type of stone that as it weathers, weathers with pockmarks, and the marble has been a lot more durable than the stone that the statue was made out of. And in the little pockmarks, you know, water and rain has stayed. So there's kind of a sheen of lichen or moss that grows within the little pockmarks on the otherwise creamy gray stone of the statue, which is of a welcomingly a welcomingly misshapen nature spirit with a big old potato-looking head, a wide grinning mouth with porcine tusks and 
a cute little button nose and eyes that are set far wider on the head and ears that are both pointed and have like long dangling lobes. Uh, You see that the spirit uh, is sitting cross-legged and holding a stone bowl that is part of the same piece of stone that it itself is carved out of, but is holding the bowl with both its legs and arms at the same time, seated with its arms kind of wrapped around and its elbows resting on its knees. And this statue has been here for as long as you can remember. And it is very clear that the statue of the spirit of the shrine kind of has the most, this is the place from which the natural beauty of Grandmother Wren's cottage in the surrounding forest is like at its best. You see like the sloping hill to the cottage, all of the garden laid out perfectly, the stream that wraps away. You can see every single wild flower bush and grove at the edge of the forest from right here. And it's high enough up on the hill that you get to see all the tops of the trees that stretch away over the woods up towards the far ridge. So you just see a beautiful beautiful blanket of treetops throughout this little valley where Grandmother Wren has lived for so long. Coming up to the shrine, late afternoon, uh, what do you do upon arriving at the shrine? When I reach this shrine, I stop at the little stone basin just before, and I wash my hands, and I splash some water on my face. I smooth my skirt and I walk up to the shrine and the statue. I clap my hands twice. I bow to it. And I say, Dear spirit and honored friend, we are in need of your assistance. Grandma Ren and Taro have, are no longer with us here in our realm. I was told to come to pay my respects to you and to ask your guidance because it might be time for me to have a Taro of my own, but hopefully in nicer one. Suvi's at the very edge of uh, the marble platform and in just a little moment of remembering herself as a small child, she goes to push up the glasses that aren't there uh, and kind of snorts a little bit to herself Uh, crosses one ankle behind the other to give a small curtsy that uh, imperial children are taught to do uh, and just gives a little bow and says, Mr. Soup, and just waits quietly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, Mr. Soup is referring to... Yeah, because it looks like he's eating a big bowl of soup. The moment you say Mr. Soup, you hear a voice down by your knee uh, say, Afternoon. And you look down and see the spirit looking at its own statue. Um, You see uh, he is a vibrant vine green with a little loincloth of leaves. It's only about two feet tall. Um, And you see that he looks down 
uh, and his feet always are muddy because water sort of just produces out of the bottom of his feet. So whenever he stands in a piece of dirt, it looks like just water begins to trickle down. But stands there and has his arms crossed and is just looking at the statue of himself uh, and just shakes his little lumpen head and goes, look at me. They got it exactly right. <laughs> a remarkable likeness. Yeah. Oh, hello, Mr. Soup. Uh, wait, you call him that too? Hmm? <laughs> um, I think Mr. Soup was yeah, the... Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you see, you see he, he looks at you, Soup, he looks at Ame and smiles, a big tusky smile and says, I've always wanted to say this. I am known by many names. Wow. And uh, one of them is Mr. Soup. <laughs> um, he goes and uh, sort of happily waddles up into the shrine and uh, leans his head into the stone bowl and sniffs and sort of pushes his nose up and frowns a little bit and is like, Soup looking pretty thin, all things considered. Not a very... Uh, good. Moves his finger around in the empty bowl. <laughs> not a ooh, not a great. Ooh, we're gonna. It's gonna be slim pickings for everyone that wants some soup. Oh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. It was uh. No, So if we had offering freely given, of course you don't have to. Uh, but. Oh no! I um, did anyone? I, I reached into uh, my some of my pouches mm-hmm. in my belt, mm-hmm. and I produced two handfuls of rice crackers. Oops. That I toss into the bowl. <clears throat> mm. Oh, that's good. The moment it hits the bowl, <laughs> burps. Uh, uh, not even having to consume it, just it hits the bowl, and um, he he, you know, they feel uh, Mr. Soup feels fully full. And he goes, "Oh, that's wonderful. That's very very good." Well, um. I'm so sorry, little ones. This little two-foot guy calling you both little ones. Yeah, me too. I'm taking that personally. That's fine. <laughs> so big now. Ren knew me as Dalmai, and I've been guarding this stream since before she built this cottage here. <laughs> and it was such an honor to have a witch like her come and Make a little garden that my stream could water. I always felt so grateful. And she built the shrine, too. Can you believe it? Oh, Can you believe it? See, <sighs> so he raises her hand. You see, he raises a hand up, too, and says, Oh. oh. Uh, no rain. Oh. I feel like it. Ame also raises up a hand. What is Sort of wiggles her fingers. Okay, I could just, I get get it. I, of course, have promised Grandma Ren that I will continue to keep the invitation of her cottage, my cottage, open. Do you need help looking after the cottage? Oh, well, uh, yes, please, definitely, uh, but, but... Of course, I've done that for so long, and I'd be happy to do it for you. These rice crackers probably probably could use a little 
Is this going to add? This? I got you. I got you. I got you. <laughs> and Subi steps forward and produces like a very fine silvery flask uh, <laughs> and just pours out a bunch of brown alcohol. That's some good soup. <laughs> All right. Well, what do you find friends need? I... <laughs> I, I endeavor to quickly explain the situation. Explain? You see that uh, Mr. Soup, a.k.a. Daomai, is wobbling on very short legs. His leg, his head is about four times as big as one of his legs. And she's just wobbling on little stumpy legs. And he goes, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh And then, sorry. Uh, I, I something that. about a heart of the world, and I, um... Mm, I, black, I have to go find the well. Yeah, and the, the man sword, man of black. Uh, Sorry, I'm panicking. Uh, I'm, also, I'm gonna be quiet again. I think it's time for me to have a familiar. Okay, okay. I don't know about any of the other stuff. Oh, <laughs> but I, I'll tell you. If you need an animal, there's a lot of animals around here, and I wouldn't be much of a stream spirit if I couldn't. Okay, hold on. Time to get to work. And you see that he uh, sort of waddles on over <laughs> to his, his statue. He says, been a minute. Let's see if I still got it. And he jumps into his statue, and all of the alcohol and rice crackers uh, in the bowl swirl up. Uh, and you just hear kind of an eruption of like bird song and crickets start going that's getting later um and uh you just feel a little warm hum emanating from the statue um it is very clear that something is happening and being done nothing happens in the immediate aftermath of that but you can feel some kind of thing at work uh and you do smell very faintly a little bit of rosemary and pine anything in preparation of the spirit's work or if not what do you think of when you think of a familiar I close my eyes I take a deep breath pine and the rosemary I listen to that thrumming of, of, of something deep deep in the earth think about how I can help this place, this village, my community, the people I care about, which is kind of admittedly a very short list. I, uh, this is huge. I, I mean, a witch's familiar is, is her lifelong companion. I, which had one of those except for Grandma Ren, and you know, I all I can manage is a whisper of please don't let them be a butthole like Taro, please don't let them be a butthole like Taro, please don't let them be a butthole like Taro. As you think of how much of a butthole Taro the rooster was, and then don't do it, don't make the familiar a butthole. <laughs> As you think of how much of a butthole Taro was, uh, Suvi, you smell blood. 
and Ame's eyes are completely closed. And Ame, what, what, like, are you seated in the shrine? Are you on your knees? Where, what sort of position are you in as your eyes are closed? I am standing, but in uh, a bent, almost halfway, mm-hmm. in a bow towards the shrine. Uh... Out of one of Ame's pockets, a little bit of those rice crackers are still hanging. And as Ame has her eyes closed and is hoping, hoping, hoping so hard and thinking those thoughts we know she's thinking, you see a familiar face. A fox begins to creep out of the woodline, looking at that, those crackers now a little bit closer to the ground. And the fact that Ame's eyes are closed means he's got a shot. The fox creeps a little bit closer, a little bit closer. I want a good friend. I, I want somebody who's, um, you know, they, they don't even have to be that powerful. Uh, just somebody who will <laughs> help me with the chores. And uh, Sufi, do you do anything in this moment as the fox is approaching? Uh, or, or Ame, uh, uh, and I'll actually roll a little stealth check for our foxy what friend. What I here. want oh, yeah. to do is give, this, uh, give the fox advantage. I want to help. <laughs> I love this fox. Uh, the fox makes eye contact with you, sees that you are not going to blow up his spot, yeah, and goes and gets very close. I just step on a little twig uh, in the opposite direction to pull a little focus. Uh, comes up, uh, gets the rice crackers as he. I'm sorry. What did you roll, Brandon? Uh, I got a 15 and then a 10, so 15. As he, or as the fox scampers up and snatches at the rice case without opening my eyes I dip down and I grab whatever I hear in front of me Woo, reach down grab the fox and you see the fox goes ah! Let no, me go. No, let me go. Is, you're mine now. Let, let me, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? Oh, you're hot, top, 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 top. Uh, Why? Where, where, where? Hi, I'm Ame. Uh, your new best friend. Ooh, coming on kind of strong. <laughs> okay, you know I, I'm not. I've never really had a friend before besides the two of you guys. Hi. Ooh. Look, I didn't. Even, I don't even. I didn't even. I wasn't even around when those chickens got eaten. Oh, so the truth comes out. <laughs> I pluck a, a, a feather from Ooh. the tip of his nose, but otherwise I... You put that there. You put oh, that there. Oh, I did. <laughs> yeah, you did. Hey, okay. hey, hey. You can't con a con, all right, buddy? Okay. Holding him by the scruff of his he's, neck. Pause. His paws are there. He's just hanging from the scruff, and he says... Everybody calm down. Everybody calm down. Be cool, little fox. Be cool. Now, I know we all got questions. You're wondering what happened to those chickens. I can help you find the guy who did that. I'm wondering what I'm doing with my mouth and why it feels like it's something that I can do that lets you know the things that I know. But I'm just screaming quietly, specifically with sounds I didn't... Used to make. That's called the human condition, my friend. And now that you're familiar, get used to it. Familiar, familiar, familiar. <laughs> okay. So, if you can tell me uh-huh. what. Okay. Yeah, okay. You okay. Know, you know, I'm you, sorry. Yeah. You're right. 
You started off on the wrong foot. All right? Now I'm just going to put you down, and we're all going to be cool. You put him down. Well, we lower him down. He doesn't sprint away. Ooh. He remains looking at the trust that he's being given. <laughs> he looks up and goes, were those your chickens or? Uh, they were the chickens that lived on Grandma Wren's farm, okay? Just forget the chickens for just a moment. Look, I've been skulking around here for a long time, okay? And the second I saw that damn rooster turn into whatever he turned into, I said, now's your shot, okay? You put in the work, you put in the time, you're going to get these chickens. I respect that. Thank you. I'm Ame. I'm a fox. All right. Do you you have a name or something you would want me to call you or? Call me. Call me. Uh, hey, you would know more about that than me. Okay. Well, we'll circle back to that later, I guess. Sure. Sure. That works for me. So you've become a witch's familiar, which means that... We are in a... I want to get too technical here, but basically, we do magic together now. If that's something you're interested in, there could be chickens in it for you. Hey, now. Do magic together. Yes. Magic meaning... I still... Stamp my staff on the ground, and the illusion of it being just sort of a wooden staff like shatters and falls away uh, to reveal like a glass staff. Like, mm. doing stuff that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Ooh, too accurate. You got a deal on me. Right. Sounds fine by me. I can see myself working my way into a lot of chickens on this. Yeah. Yeah, you'll get your chickens. All right. Oh my god, it's going so fast. Oh my god. This is the weirdest hour of my life. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, you see, the fox looks up and you see the last little sort of crumbs of rice cracker blow on the wind out of Mr. Soup's stone bowl oh. as the fox sort of walks around and says, Okay. Yeah, I'll admit, I've been playing it solo for a while and the pickings get pretty slim around here. There's not a lot of space in between house cats and big old bears and panthers. These woods seem to get smaller every day. So I'm happy to serve. You can keep me fed? Yeah, absolutely. All right. That works for me. So he sort of does a little circle, jumps up on the statue. He jumps up on Mr. Soup's statue's head. Jumps back down in the shrine. Weird scent. What is that? It's like rosemary and pine. Why do I know to make those noises for those smells? Oh, oh I love him. Uh, um, well, uh, there's an awful lot I gotta fill you in on. But now that we're partners, um, I, I got a job for you. We, uh... You have to go track down a, a, a brother, a friend of ours. Um, he's a spirit. Spirit? Mm-hmm. Ay, All right, well. Wait, are you not a spirit? I gotta stop. I, 
I was pretty clear. I'm a fox. Yeah. Right, but you're talking. Hey, <laughs> your guess is as good as mine. I could not do this a second ago. Oh, I mean, let's not get into the particulars of how a thing works. It just does. I live or die in the particulars, and I know you know that. I truly did what I have always done. I got grabbed by a person, and I started screaming. And every other time I screamed before, I just screamed. And this time, feelings that I used to have that were just feelings started to turn into sounds. So that's that just happened. You all, you have all watched my entire personal history of being able to do this. Yeah. It's, uh, pretty exciting, huh? Yeah. I guess it is kind of a trick, right? Yes. Yes, in some ways, it kind of is a trick. That's kind of the things that we do. Hmm. I like that. Um, give me an arcana check, <laughs> yeah. uh, Suvi. 23. That's a high uh, roll. Hey. I think you've studied uh, everything that the Citadel knows about witches. I think you know about witches. Yeah. Because, honestly, probably some of their best stuff came from you, just from your proximity to having lived with Grandmother Wren, right? Not that you would have shared anything big. Yeah. But I think... You know about witches' familiars, which are very different. When a wizard summons a familiar, it is a spell effect. Yeah. Witches bond to real animals and strike bargains with them or offer them a home and give them, like, long life and speech and all these other things. So they're very different than a wizard's familiar. Um, but I think you know a little bit. You put together something of, like, what familiars represented of their witches, because it's a very powerful soul connection. Like, Grandmother Wren was endlessly kind, and Taro was, at times, a little bit of a butthole. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And Ame, who, you know, was praying with all her might to, like, do right by her community and friends, has attracted a fox who seems kind of like a little schemer. Yeah. And I think you put some stuff together. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I just want to make eye contact like, hey, I don't know how long we're going to be able to talk. Mm -hmm. If you ever, ever, ever mess with me or my stuff, where I come, we eat foxes. Bad for your health, but point taken. Okay, well, we have to go find our friend, our, our brother. He's a spirit, and he has a powerful item that we need to break a curse on me. Okay. Well, I don't... No, you smelled the smell already. Yeah. Rosemary. That's him? Yep. And pine. Oh. 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 All right, when do you want to go? You want to go now? <laughs> uh, I need to grab a couple of things from the cottage and set it up. Okay. So. Can I go you indoors? Get one more chicken. I get one more chicken? He's gone. Wait, no. Fucking I... gone. <laughs> Boom. I didn't. Gone. <sighs> what? Uh, <laughs> You're not going to be around to feed the chickens? Uh, 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 as you say you're not going to be around to feed the chickens, you actually see that the, the hum of the crickets and the birds and everything, the stream babbles a little bit, and a couple of little seedlings bloom in the chicken yard. I think your offering to Dalmai oh. has kind of created a little bit of a bloom for, at least for the time being, for the cottage to take care of itself. Yes. I uh, reach into my pocket, and I have... A, a slightly melty, uh, unwrapped 
chocolate in there. And I toss it into the bowl. I clap my hands and I bow and I head back down towards the cottage. Don't you dead look, not Henrietta though! I don't know which one Henrietta is. Is it the big, is it the big good looking one on top? Oh God, you <laughs> See, just as you're gonna come and get ready, comes up and approaches the door and looks at the open door and is like, "Can I go inside? Can I go? Can I go inside?" You are welcome in the cottage. Yes. <laughs> if the other foxes could see me now, <laughs> takes the takes the chicken and comes inside. It's like, ooh, warm and soft, and goes right near the fireplace on a rug. It's like, <laughs> don't hate it. <laughs> this is a this is a life I could get used to, and just starts making a huge bloody mess of this chicken in front of the fireplace on this the road. This fox rips, dude. <laughs> this fox absolutely rips. <laughs> Turns out Ursula needs a familiar. <laughs> we all getting foxes, bro. We all, we all getting foxes. I tidy up the cottage, wrap up as many loose ends as I can. I take a satchel and I stuff in there anything that I think I might need. My herbs and, and, and herb kit, my alchemy set, uh, and some provisions, uh, a couple of knives, rope, just anything that I think might be useful goes somewhat haphazardly into the bag. Um, and uh, as I, I gather it, I, I, I know I, I'm tidying everything, and, and, and I know I'm putting off having to lay Grandma Ren to rest, but eventually I do realize Suvi sees me go upstairs, go into her room, and when I exit, I'm holding a small urn. Copper. And it has a little rooster engraved on it. I go up once again to the shrine. And I place the urn next to the statue. I've brought up a little incense, um, some more rice cakes, a whole bottle of nice whiskey that I place into the bowl, <laughs> and I leave the little offerings in front of the urn. I only give myself a couple of minutes. But then you see me come back down, dusting my hands, and I go back to busying myself, grabbing trinkets and pieces of paper and things that really seem like garbage that all go into the bag. 
um, watching someone who has based their entire life out of being in and around a house, preparing to go on a trip is earnestly stressful. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I'm gonna need I'm gonna need literally everything in this house because I've always had access to the entire house. Uh, uh, Suvi will do her best to pitch in when there's something obvious uh, that makes sense that she can help with. So much of what. Ame does is just esoteric things that... Do you think I need a fire poker? For what? (laughs) Poking fires? Where a fire is on purpose, there will be one. Please don't. Okay. Trust your friend, boss. Last thing you want to do is poke a fire. All right. Uh, But CV will take uh, the amount of time you spent up at the shrine to creep up. And there was one sort of like shawl that grandma, Grandmother Wren would always keep over the chair that Suvi would sit in in the library when she had to stay hidden. That she'll go and grab. And that's the one. It, it makes her feel just so disconnected because it it's threadbare and kind of lumpy and doesn't fit the aesthetic of the person she is now, and she doesn't know where to put it. There isn't a place for it. But there's no way she could leave without it. So she's kind of just holding it weirdly while she follows you around and tells you that you don't need to grab anything that you're grabbing. Okay, but, like, what kind of tea should I bring? There's tea everywhere. You live on a little island where there's nothing. Everywhere else has things. Please. Well, Miss Big City, all right. I guess yes. I know best. Wait, hold on. And I go back and I grab my face. Say that again. <gasps> okay, Miss Big City. I guess you know best. Mm, I've missed that. Okay, we can go. You both follow the fox. Uh, who begins to follow the scent of pine and rosemary. You journey for quite some time far from the village of Tomo, making your way through the woods, along roads and in inns. We pass some many days of travel, moving through this place. A couple times in your travels, through the woods and roads, pastoral scenery, you pass windmills and orchards, wide rice fields and raised roads in the lowlands, up in high ridges, moss-covered crags with trees growing impossibly out in the middle of dizzying heights. You go through rich pine forests and deep into deciduous woods with ancient piles of acorns and moss and pass many roadside shrines of spirits and beasts and all manner of things, honoring them in their way as you pass by. You walk through some villages where there are many who are pleased to see a witch. You walk through some towns where a quick flash of a citadel staff buys you a swifter journey. And many times on your passage, a sudden shift in direction will take place, sometimes in towns, sometimes in the midst of forests that the fox will take you on, as he will suddenly look around confused and go, 
fresher trail this way. I am delighted. And after a couple times, he will sometimes go, whoever this guy was, he's passed through here four or five times. Uh, and always choosing the fresher trail after many days you can smell salt on the wind and see far reaching sea and white waves breaking on the shore of a large port city known as Joris. The city reaches down to the coast. The shore is rocky and slate gray and tall mossy towers rise up out of the sea. So there are like sea, many sort of standing stones rising out of the water around the port that have windswept, are almost like narrower at their base than they are on top with little patches of grass. And some of them have just sheep. And how do they get up on that giant rock out in the harbor? We don't know. Um, you see tall ships in the harbor. And the city is sort of split in two, where there's the lower city down by the dock, closer to the shoreline. And then there is a small cliffside, and there are a couple of neighborhoods that switch back up the cliff, which is not a staggering cliff. It's mainly, it's probably only about, you know, 80 feet tall or something like that, that little shelf that, you know, shunts up with some roads that cut up or big, broad staircases. There's one staircase that cuts deep into the cliff and is a large marketplace that just follows the stairs up into the higher city. Um, and up at the top of the city, where you can still smell the salt on the air, but there's still the sort of rich smell of hay from nearby farms and a little bit of that uh, distant forest. Although the trees around here, there is no true forest within sight. There's little groves and copses and orchards, but a town this big is surrounded mainly by farms and you're around a lot of people. I think, Ame, it's been a long time since you've been near a population center this Big. I don't think I've ever been near a population center this big. Toma is small and, and I mean, it's forests and, and the cottage for most of my life, but also this is the coolest thing ever. Joris is about five times as big as Silvery. It's definitely a city. You would not call this a town. Um, uh, from from the heart of the empire, you've certainly like you know, but but you can recognize there are a lot of people here, yeah. uh, and the fox begins to lead you towards a large farm field with huge hay bales. There are scarecrows. Uh, there are also this part of the island. There are tall like cypress trees and lots of yellow grass. So the grass has become yellow while the trees are still green. As you begin to approach a fair. Uh, there are vendors and acrobats and performers, and the fox turns around to look at you and says, we're getting close. As you look up at a big, broad sign of performers with three brightly colored wagons and a large sign, rows of hay bales as seats, where probably 200 people have gathered around a stage with curtains, and the sign over the impromptu gateway, brightly colored in blue and gold, reads, Sir Gallant and the Princess Bryony.
Hi, I'm producer Taylor here at Fortunate Horse, where we help the incredible cast make worlds beyond number. But that's not all we do. Oh, no, you sweet summer child. Come with me, take my hand. I have so much more to show you. For Fortunate Horse makes many shows. And today, I want to tell you about Rude Tales of Magic. Rude Tales of Magic is like the... Um, the stitch to Worlds Beyond Numbers Lilo. Uh, a little wilder, a little crazier. Uh, the AV Club said it was the best new voice in actual play podcasting. Uh, io9 just recently published a list of our best NPC names, which they called the best, quote, in the biz, end quote. Uh, you know what? Why, why, why should I tell you? I just, let me, here are some reviews that we've gotten on uh, uh, Twitter.org. Uh, <clears throat> This is the funniest thing I've ever heard, not just podcasts, but anything. My parents do not allow me to listen to Rude Tales of Magic. I sneak out of the house and listen to it with teens. I laughed so hard at Rude Tales of Magic on the floor of my warehouse, I actually was disciplined by my boss. Now, I'm summarizing that one, but that is an actual thing that occurred. So if you want to get in trouble and have a good time, Rude Tales of Magic, available wherever podcasts are given to you freely. The main show is free. Same deal as with Worlds Beyond Number. Hey, you know what? Let's just hear the trailer. When the things that birthed the gods were young, they tried their hands at creating reality. After some trial and error, they started on a second draft, but their first draft of the world, forgotten in a damp corner of creation, clung to life like mold on bread. That feral world of wild magic named itself Cordelia. Okay, thank you. Okay, you're welcome. I'm gonna follow my dreams. I hope you don't. Is what you want to do talk about your dad to kids? Spiders cannot die either. And And the spiders spiders cannot die either. I mean, well, to be fair, I'm not still sure. I'm I don't know what's happening. Are you a virgin? I would get the hell off of this campus as soon as possible. To forgive my bird, I taught him how to speak, and now he thinks he's smart in general. (laughs) Like meows. Hi! Hi, I'm not taking a shit, just pee. All right, and we're walking. Does everyone in hell know who we are now? Uh Uh-oh! Ha-ha! Never trust a demon! Ah! Leave this place! Get lost, strayed. Ugh! Did you tell me to get lost? I'm running. I burst one of you into flames. <laughs> Davo, you stay in the hole. Uh, okay, sir. I love you. Haha. <laughs> yeah, let's all say we all love each other. All right, we all love each other. We all love love. Everyone look each other in the eye and say, I love you. 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 In my heart, I love you in the eye. I love you. Oh, Davo, you're excused. All right. Boom, shakalaka. <laughs> now, now that's a trailer. So, listen, if you're in the mood for another high-octane, immersive audio narrative play, comedy, adventure, baby, I think we got you covered. All right, now, back to the show, to that little fair on the outskirts of the seaside town of Juris. Early evening, still uh, and uh, Joris faces the east. It's on the very like southern tip of the island of Akam and faces off to the east. Um, so, you know, the city uh, uh, towards the east, it is, you know, deep, uh, dark of night and to the west beyond these like grain fields and cypress trees. You see uh, a sort of pink and rosy sunset. Torches get lit and a big banner unfurls on one of the wagons. <laughs> 
uh, and there, uh, wearing a top hat with sort of a uh, black and silver wand, you see there is a uh, Professor J.B. Adelaide, and you see that a ringmaster comes out onto the stage saying, Ladies and gentlemen, thank you one and all for coming out to this evening's festivities here in Joris. I think you fine people have worked hard enough over the summer for a show! And you see a dove comes out of his sleeves, um, and... (laughs) 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 The utter contempt on CB's face right now. Wow! Uh, Many fine shows we have here, but you've come here to see the show of shows, that beloved tale of love lost and love won, the story of Sir Gallant and the Princess Bryony. Without further ado, we whisk you away to a world of wonder. And you see the uh, curtains part. Um, uh, You see a cardboard backdrop painted two-dimensional trees and a tower that's literally about like four steps tall. So it's like an eight foot tall sort of flat structure. Uh, And leaning over the edge, um, you see that there is a a woman in a pink gown, an actress, a very fair, uh, lovely looking woman. But you see she's wearing a blonde wig, but some of her own real blonde hair is coming out from under it. Confusing. and she, she calls out uh, and she says, Long has the ogre kept me hidden away high here in the tower. And long years have I wondered wherever art for there could be brave knight for which to find. <laughs> That he might traveleth to this yon tower, wherein might rescue make of me his lady love. And you see uh, uh, an armored, a tall armored figure walks out on stage. Uh, The armor is gleaming and shiny, more more reflective, sort of like almost falsely reflective. with one hand holding a prop sword uh, and the other holding a cardboard cutout of a horse with barding that kind of wraps <laughs> around the waist. Uh. And this figure of Sir Gallant appears on stage. Lou. <gasps> what happens next? From around the other corner uh, comes in his uh, in his unglamored form, uh, bear-like body, uh, large hind legs or hind feet, uh, into clawed hands with opposable thumbs. Uh, uh, the only thing, uh, is Ursulon. Uh, the only thing different is that, you know, uh, covering his kind of plumage is a kind of cloth, uh, a cloth hood uh, that has uh, little uh, cloth warts and things hanging off of it, uh, though his uh, his kind of feline face and tusks uh, are still visible. Our arms up, outstretched, uh, walking out. I am the ogre. 
I am a monster. <laughs> no! Hiss! Hiss! You see that? You see? Ursula, you're, Ursula's wearing his true yeah. form. You remember Ursula is large. He is impossibly large. He's seven foot. Seven and a half feet tall. Seven and a half feet oh. tall. Towering. A lot of people, it's sort of like, it's lit by torchlight, and the torchlight and the lights are reflecting out from like the sort of scallop sconces of the stage lights. It, it adds this sort of otherworldliness so that you can tell both of you, a wizard and a witch, look and see that people simultaneously do and don't understand the sacred thing they're seeing. They don't understand that they're seeing a real spirit because they're seeing something on stage in this lighting that's made them accept that a cardboard cutout is a tower and that uh, sort of like pressed wood painted could be trees. But you hear, especially a lot of children just scream. Um, a lot of children scream. Um, and you hear an eruption from a couple of like plants working for the fair as people, like you see that some people try to grab their kids and like run, they don't quite know what to do, but you see a couple plants go boo in a way to get a boo going to remind people that this is like part of the show. Uh, and you hear boo, boo. Boo yourself. <laughs> you, do you yell that? Yes. Uh, Ursula, give me a perception check with advantage. <laughs> 17. You look out and see, are you guys, did you guys take a seat or are you just like standing near the entrance? See the standing in the back. So in the we're, back. we're standing near the entrance because we just walked in following. Yeah. Uh, so standing, standing in the back, thankfully people are seated, otherwise you probably couldn't see Ame over other people. Um, <laughs> um, Ursuline, you look out and see two adult women that you instantly recognize. Uh, far off though they are past seven or eight rows of seated spectators uh, standing and looking at you. Uh, what is the expression that Ursuline sees on your faces? Suvi is a rictus of like contempt for the form and confusion at what you're doing. Ame, who had prior to this been enjoying herself quite a lot, is feels looks as though her stomach has dropped out i just just aghast at the indignity of it all and livid at these yokels uh, <laughs> booing her friend ursalon uh, what do you do? Uh, you, you recognize them. You see the looks on their faces. Um, and you see that Sir Gallant is uh, waiting there. Um, uh, looking Because he heard there was a shout, but Sir Gallant's looking at you uh, as well expectantly. Um, it's his line next, but there was like a disruption and he's just waiting for a moment. Do you do anything in this moment? Uh, I think uh, Ursuline's entire body goes slack uh, in uh, first confusion – um, and then uh, deep shame and pain um, and forgets where he is entirely. Sir Gallant uh, looks at you um, and goes, Huh, stamp your mighty feet, ogre, though you may. Long days have I traveled 
to rescue the Princess Bryony that you have captured and put in your mighty tower. Draw steel if ye dare, beast of beasts. Uh, I think Ursulon, uh, just going through the motions, reaches down and uh, pulls his sword out, uh, but then it falls slack at his side. Um, uh, you, as your sword goes slack, you see the 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 guy playing the guy playing uh, Sir Gallant covers his face with the front of the horse and goes, "This is fight two. Fight you start fight two. Uh, Ursuline's gonna drop his sword and walk uh, away. Uh, walk around. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's no true knight. Um, he says, I say as I point my finger towards towards the the cardboard wearing actor. Uh, you say that's no true knight. Uh, seeing Ursula walk off, someone from the crowd is heckling. Uh, the guy playing Sir Gallant looks up and says, "That's that's right. I am no true knight. Um, because a true knight." All never flees from a battle. So though the ogre has uh, run away, I shall pursue him. And Princess Bryony shall sing a song to lull the, oh, the I'm going to get the ogre. She's going to sing a song for birds. Birds. And he rushes backstage. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and the Princess Bryony looks out and you see um, uh, like hisses at someone in the wings you can't see and says... Sing, sing. <laughs> uh, I have the observant feet. Could I read her lips? Yes, you absolutely can read her lips. Uh, as I turn to leave, uh, I just yell, you can't act either. <laughs> <laughs> um, you see that there is a uh, a jerkin wearing, like a uh, pitchfork holding guys who are here for this like farmer's festival who leans in to both of you and says, um, I'm sorry, ladies, this is sort of a show for kids. You, you know, uh, I, I know that might not be to your liking, but the, the families don't get many shows. They come in You're right. from, from a long way around. We'll go. Okay. Uh, it's fine to turn and leave. It's fine if you don't like it. I don't like it either, but, you know. Um, <laughs> I like this educated yokel. <laughs> this, yeah, this yokel of fine taste. <laughs> uh, you know what? A city this big deserves a better caliber of performance. All right. And then I also turn around and go. <laughs> yeah, and march, and march away. Uh, uh, the two of you march off. Um, Ursuline, you walk backstage. Um, at Professor Adelaide goes, what the hell are you doing back here? I am sorry. There are uh, people. I'm, uh, I do not want them to see me here. Uh, uh, Hood comes off, uh, walking, walking toward my stuff, realizing I don't really have anything. Uh, just th- uh, really, Ursuline's thinking about leaving, just walking away, just, just, just. T- you gotta finish the show. You gotta finish. We- I can. They are. They, I am. Uh, you two. I'm gonna say. Go ahead, actually, and roll initiative. We'll go with the higher <laughs> yeah. of the two. You roll, and then you're rolling for yourself. Thirteen. Uh, 23 on, uh, natural 20 on the die for 23. Oh my God. Oh, okay, well that beats my t- dirty 21. Oh, okay. brutal. Um, so the, <laughs> brutal. The, hate to see it. <laughs> hate to see it. Uh, so, uh, backstage. So, so Adelaide is following you off towards, there are kind of like, uh, there's a small canvas tent that has some, uh, easy to set up sort of tables and there are sort of canvas sacks of costumes. Your stuff is in here. Um, there's also like a, a little private 
almost like one of those armor stands at a joust, those like little skinny striped tents. And that's sort of where you go in, honestly, to kind of like Superman style, like change your glamour if you need to. But Adelaide is following behind you and goes, Bear, we need you back on stage. We make our money from selling the tomatoes that the kids throw at you at the end of the show. I, I cannot, uh, I cannot, I can't, uh, not tonight. Um, uh, the music box. Can I have the music box back for now? You want to, you want to walk out in the middle of this show, one of our biggest shows of the year, and get this. This is exactly why I kept the music box because you don't understand the meaning of work. You don't understand the meaning of putting in an honest day's labor. You don't care about Oscar or Agnes or any of the performers in Adelaide's troupe. All right? I, I'm, I'm sorry. I did not know that they would come. All right. Look, look, kid. Are you in danger? No. Then what the hell's the problem? These are people who know me from a part of my life where I could have been something else. And I am not that thing. I do not want them to see me now. Um, uh, I am, uh, I'm in a, gl- I'm in a glamour. Uh, do you do that just right in front of Adelaide? No, I will, no, I know better. I am going to turn to Adelaide and say, there will be no show tonight! Uh, and I'd like to, uh, can I attempt to, I'd like to intimidate him. Give me an intimidation roll. That's going to be a 17. I think on a 17, that's loud enough for the two of you to hear. And I think even some other people, like, uh, up on stage, <laughs> you know, Brian, he's going, the birds, the birds are f- Forever, our friends, <laughs> and uh, and you see. No, uh, keep going, keep going. Yeah. We want to hear the song. Three verses. Ever our friends, the birds, every bird, the sparrow, the God, sparrow, the um penguin. The sparrow. Uh, <laughs> Name other birds. Keep naming birds. I'd like to think that the yoko in the back is just rattling them off. Going, yeah. Woodpecker. Japer. <laughs> I mean, come on. Bowerbird. It's Bowerbird. not hard. Uh, chickadee, titmouse, uh, nuthatch. Uh, egret. Egret, heron, uh, crane, stork. Stellar's day. Yeah. Um, uh, you see, um, uh, so uh, you yell that... Um, uh, you yell that uh, Oscar runs back, the, the actor who plays Sir Gallant, and, and sees Adelaide, who has taken a step back or two, and Oscar just goes, um, uh, uh, once again, like, hey, hey, uh, uh, b- b- I think Bryony's holding, holding him out there. Is everything going to be all right? Do you, do you, did you forget the, the fight? It's just, it's the one that you start. Yeah, I know it is fight number two. I know fight number two. I'm well aware that it is fight number two. My f- there are people here. I do not want to see me. Do you, do you need help stalling them out? Please. All right. All right. All right. So we we I, I head back towards the backstage. You come around. There's a little lit area outside of the larger canvas tent with all of the like props and gear and stuff like that. Um, as you're approaching, by the way, that the fox just goes like <sighs> everywhere. I mean, it's just the smells everywhere. I mean, he's just been, he's been working here. <sighs> okay. Bridge out so far, but um, and you see the actor who plays the knight turn around and say, "Oh, sorry, this is a, a performers only area. My apologies." Hi, um, yes, we know uh, the actor who plays the ogre. We need to see him. It's immediately. I slam my staff on the ground, revealing it to be that jo- like t- 
tall, jagged glass spire of the Citadel. She's in her, like, at her full six feet tall and pulled back a sleeve enough to see that, like, ring. This is a big enough city that they should know how to respond to this energy. Uh, amazing. Go ahead and give me Intimidate with Advantage. Parting. Uh, what do you say to Oscar as he's standing in front of you? Move. Um, he goes, yep, and moves to the side. <laughs> and um, <laughs> uh, moves, moves to the side. And um, you see Professor Adelaide off at uh, one of the wagons that's not creating the encirclement around the stage. Uh, but you see him look. Oscar looks at you. You can tell that Oscar doesn't clock the sigil, but just clocks wizard, and that's enough for him. You can see Adelaide clock the sigil mm. um, and and sort of stumble up the steps into his wagon and close the door. Do we see Ur- Ursula? You don't see Ursula, but you see that... that Oscar just steps out yeah. of your way, essentially. I, I stride forward, and I'm just looking around, kind of using my staff to, like, open little flaps of tents, uh, not saying anything else. Okay, Ursuline, you've changed into your glamour at this point. Yes. Um, uh, I am going to say, you, you ha- so are you going to stay in the tent after you change the glamour? You can hear... Suvi and Ame searching for you out amongst the performers' tents here at the fair. I, I think Ursulon, uh looks out into open field and considers for a moment just running. Um, and then just waits. Um, go ahead and give me a uh, a stealth check, and I'm going to ask actually for you to do because you're because you're staying put. I'll ask for it for, with disadvantage, and you're trying to beat passive investigation. Only a six. Cool. Uh, so you're standing in the tent, your glamour up. The flap of the tent is moved with the head of a crystal staff that is partially illuminated, and uh, soft blue light fills the tent as you are face to face with Sufi. you would look upon the face of someone who looks as much like a brother you never had as they could. Of of around your same age, if not maybe a few years older. Yeah. Uh, but I do think uh, I'm, I'm not looking at you. I think my face is down. Uh, I, uh, I don't meet your gaze, but I know you're there. Suvi will snap in Ame's direction to get her attention, to pull her focus, to follow her into the tent. The tent that you now stand in is very small. It's only about like five feet wide, so you'll be elbow to elbow. But you step inside, Ame, you, um, you see the fox follows you in. You see a strange fox. Wow. I hate to break it to you, boss. We've been following the wrong scent since the start. This is just a guy. Oh, uh, d- can you give us a moment, please? Yeah. Thanks. He just stays in the tent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, alone? Give you a moment alone. How would I do that? Uh, you would go outside of the tent. Oh, you're asking me to yes, leave? Yes, oh, please yeah, leave. leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you see the fox turns <laughs> and whips out through the tent flap. And I flip around. And 
I launch myself at Ursuline's middle. Uh, I take a step back and away from you. I, in turn, pull back my arms, alarmed. I'm sorry if we disrupted. You're my best friend, and it's very good to see you. You're more of a knight than that guy's wooden performance. I am not. I am not. How did you end up here like this? Uh, I think at this point, Ursulan uh, turns t- to take you both in and sees you in your, in your incredible clothing and your gorgeous staff and you and your put-together witch's outfit um, <laughs> with your perfect hat and your full pouches, which he can smell, are filled with delicious treats and natural things. The years have not been as kind to me as they seem to have been to you both. Grandma Ren isn't with us anymore, and we need your help. But before she left, she sent her love to you and remembered you fondly and said she was so grateful for the time that you spent with us. As am I. I have not known kindness like those days in quite some time. I'm so sorry, Ursulon. I wish you'd come back. Could not bear to face you. You are magnificent. You don't ever have to feel ashamed of anything. I know that you went off searching for honor, and... I can't imagine that you didn't find some along the way doesn't matter what you're doing now or what what you look like but I'm certain that you have acted honorably I I have tried but this world it is not the one I first encountered it's not the one that I came to this to your world seeking it is and I have, I have given up much to, to remain. Your music box, gone. What, what, what do you mean it's gone? I, to remain here with these people who are some of the kindest I have met. These people took your music box. I gave it to them. I was, at the beginning I was not consistent. I missed shows. No. And Zibi puts her hand up and turns and marches in the direction of uh, the man that shut himself into his wagon. You uh, walk towards the wagon. You approach the door. Uh, there are you know, four short steps up and then the door in front of you. She reaches out with her staff and uses prestidigitation to knock 
faster than uh, like a hand could, that rap that almost feels like one sustained long knock. Uh, you hear a... Occupied, sorry. <laughs> this will be quick. Uh, the door opens. Uh, Professor Adelaide, off stage, uh, is a little bit of a sadder sight. Uh, a shorter fellow who th- you see the thick makeup that looks better on the stage <laughs> yeah. than it does in person. Uh, that sort of disguises a kind of watery, sad-eyed grimace as he holds his hat in his hands, opening the door. Hello, hello? I need the music box. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. She begins to walk up and into the wagon. Oh, uh, well, as as actually, as a a hedge mage, the enter to my sanctum, and a bunch of cards fall out of his (laughs) sleeves. Disrespectful. I'm not a wizard. I'm not. Uh, and he steps off. He he leaves the wagon and says, help, help yourself. Anything you want. <laughs> well, I'm going to do that. I don't know how to solve an emotional problem. <laughs> uh, uh, I, give me an arcana check. Nine. <laughs> Everything in here is absolute bric-a-brac garbage. <laughs> Fucking two-bit, quickly scrawled uh, things that thieves and cutthroats wrote on scraps of parchment, seeing a wizard open a book, peeking over their shoulder, compiled into penny dreadful things sold in harbor towns across the edge of the empire. Uh, my, my scrolls that contain several uh, incantatums. Stop speaking. Now, where is it? If I search, I will destroy what little garbage you hold dear. Um, there's a magical chest in the back, um, uh, that, uh, the, the, the ancient word of the lingua arcana, Kassar, should open, and if that doesn't work, you would, what's that? You would dare reference the lingua Arcana in front of me. I I, 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 I run! Ah! Uh, He sprints. You see he throws his top hat off into a field, takes his white gloves off, just sprints pell-mell. He kind of goes, I think halfway into the field, he decides to start going serpentine and he doesn't know if the nipples. Ah! Just dodging off into the night. Um, And that's the last we'll ever see of Professor Adelaide. Uh, J.P. Adelaide, in the wind. In the wind. Um, uh, You find that there is a completely non-magical chest in the back uh, that is, uh, it has a lock that is designed to look magical, but is just glued shut. And you can see that the bottom slides out. Oh, okay. (laughs) She takes her time, uh, considers breaking it to make a point, and then in a moment of weird mercy just slides it out um you see there's a couple little sort of like private ledgers that look like maybe like bookkeeping of the, of the the caravan so this guy's also like the business person at the head of this little troop of performers uh and there is Ami's beautiful little music box i'm sorry that you didn't feel that you could come back to the cottage it was always your home I know. 
and it was clear even when you were very young that your kindness and loveliness would extend forever to me uh, but I had already given up so much that was important to me from that time when we were young and I feared that you would look upon me the same way you did tonight with pain and confusion I could not bear to see that from to have my true friends see me so low if you'd wanted to be an actor I would even supported that but I, d- you I, d- I didn't want to be I didn't I don't want to be an actor it was oh thank goodness Suvi uh, you reappear um, and you see that Suvi has come back with the music box uh, I think Ursulan melts Ursulan melts just a little bit uh. I call you bear no one says Ursulan right that's it's not that hard. They can put in a little effort. I mean, there are some yokels here who are more cultured and have a more elocutious tongue, but they are few and far between. <laughs> There's one particular one who's been coming to the show kind of every night. Stands in the back and comes up to me afterwards and has notes on my performance. Everyone's a critic. Everyone is a critic. But that is uh, truly kind of you, Sufi. We we need your help. You and the sword that Sufi bestowed upon you that we have found out is called Wavebreaker. Uh, I think in this moment, as you say that, uh, like, I think there is such another wave of shame that crashes over Ursulan, uh, and you, his, his, his human, his, like, uh, his glamour form is a, like, is a full foot shorter than he uh, than he is in his true form. And I think you see that even that person kind of, uh, their shoulders slouch or my, my shoulders slouch, my head goes down. And I would say even, I would say I partially begin to disappear. I think there is, uh, as, as, as I, uh, and again, I turn my head away from you, unable to, uh, look at either one of you. Please don't go. The sword is gone. Oh. I... During one terrible winter, when I needed a place to, to take shelter, I... I gave it away. That shelter have, should have been offered to you freely. That's not your fault. Whether they knew you were an honored friend or not, hospitality to strangers is is required it's it, it's sacred I just want to go over and try to hug you uh, I think now Ursulan uh, takes it it's okay it's not your fault it's okay well at least now that the sword is gone 
Now we know we have a quest for you. <laughs> that was Lou Wilson as Ursuline, Erica Ishii as Ame, Abria Iyengar as Suvi, and Brennan Lee Mulligan as everyone and everything else. Worlds Beyond Numbered is edited, designed, and scored by Taylor Moore at Fortunate Horse, with additional sound design from Michael Gelfie Studios. For even more like this, join us on our Patreon. We'll see you there. <laughs>